fascinates me that that fascinates me watching people i like to people watch not in like a creepy way with like binoculars or you know a telescope though i do kind of wish i had a telescope because my neighbor's garden well it's not my neighbor's garden so it's weird it's like the back of my house weird interlude to begin with uh, the back of my house backs onto what is essentially like a sheltered housing for elderly people and um, protected people and there is a rose bush which is just at the back, and there is a very large rose which just sticks up above the rest of the hedgerow. And, yeah, I kind of wish I could see it closer. But I can't get closer to it, because to get to it, I have to go through a bunch of people's gardens. And I ain't going to do that. And I'm not I'm not that kind of wanderer. When I wander, I wander with permission. Um, and, you know, I, I try to keep hold of that. But you know what really fascinates me? And then we'll actually get to the point of that. Welcome, guys. It is the last episode of the year. We've done another year of Yelling at Concrete Podcast, which results in, I think, you know, 100 and... I'm going to double-check the figures. 176 episodes. We're now up to 176 episodes. It's actually September when I'm recording this. It's the end of September. We're about to go into October. I get earlier and earlier with my planning and management throughout the year, try to improve on things, try to keep going. And we've managed to finish in September this year, which is insane, right? For you guys, it's November. Who knows what has happened? Who knows what this podcast will line up with within the world out there? Maybe I'll have to cancel it. Maybe I'll have to delete it. Maybe I'll have to shift it to 2022 as the initial one of the year. But because it's the last episode of the year, I like to get a little self-reflective. And I like to get more so than I usually do. And I like to get... A little nonsensical, so we're going to dive into some nonsensical uh, self-reflection, which, as you do. So something which fascinates me, and I've been fascinated by it for a very long time, and by the way, this is not a plug for my calendar, which is on pre-order. In fact, it's not even on pre-order anymore, it's just available to buy. Um, But I'm fascinated by people who identify with animals, by which I mean people who put their entire lives around the idea that they share a common strain with an animal in some capacity, in some sense. By You see it all the time, right? You see it a lot. It's like, oh, well, I'm a dog. I'm a cat. You know, I'm, you know, oh, I'm, I'm secretly a, a dolphin. I like, and they'll cover their houses in it. They'll cover their houses in dolphins and sask, not like, what's the, oh, what is the word? Um, like those monkeys, spider monkeys, spider monkeys. And, you know, they'll just they'll just really embrace the idea. Like, I truly identify with these animals. I, I truly identify. And I find that fascinating. And now I can already feel you. I can feel you eyeing up my, my right arm and going, well, Graham, you are a massive hypocrite. To which I say, what? And they go, oh, well, you on your right arm happen to have a very large tattoo of a bear. And you've also nicknamed yourself the bear. A fair few times, to a point where it caused confusion between the uh, LGBT community and people who uh, people who watched the show, who just assumed that I was gay. But no, I just like bears. 
but I feel I'm you know I'm not downplaying or saying it's bad that anyone does this with with animals, by the way. Um, but I do find it interesting. I find it interesting from many points of view, and we're going to get into a little bit of why that. So I should probably explain why I have a bear on my arm. So I have a bear on my arm for a couple of reasons. And it's not that I identify with bears on an emotional level. I think I want to lay that out. This, this is, I think this is the difference between myself and other people when it comes to my, my interest in bears. It's like, I like bears. I appreciate them as animals. I think they're hilarious. Um, I also think they have a lot of human characteristics. But the reason I have them is because it was a nickname for uh, an old friend. And for a very long time, you know, I, I was down the lines of, yeah, I, I I want to meet or see a bear and it became kind of a goal for me to kind of go out into the world and see a bear in the wild, which I managed to do. Well, not in the wild, but I managed to go. I went to Canada, hence the Canada t-shirt. That's actually just coincidental. Didn't even realize I was going to be talking about Canada. Um, and I went to see a bear and it was more of an achievement thing than anything. So it's symbolically achieving for myself. But also people, what gets me is people who represent themselves with animals because of specific traits. And it'll usually just be one trait that'll happen. You know, it'll be, especially with birds, it's usually elegance. People associate themselves with elegance or freedom. They like the idea of flying. Um, or And it's, it's lions and tigers and it's the strength, isn't it? You always want to be strength. Or you get you get a lot of over-amped gym goers who really want to be lions and tigers and apes. And they want to be gorillas and silverbacks and all these big lumbering beasts. And people look at my bear and they're like, oh, well, that's... It's clearly you. You do exactly the same, right? You 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 must see yourself as a strong individual. I know, like, honestly, because in my head, I don't associate bears with strength. I associate bears with clumsiness and hunger and sleep. And I don't sleep a lot. So it's going to be clumsiness and hunger, which I, I, <laughs> I associate myself with bears with. And it's true. You know, when I think of bears, I think of them as, you know, they're fairly resourceful. They survive for a very long time. And they don't have really close family units apart from uh, the mothers and children. they And that's you know, a fairly reflective view of my view of the world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's less about me thinking that I'm a bear and more just appreciating them as animals within the world and, of course, emotional connections to other parts of my own life. But some people really identify with animals, especially I think the lion one always sticks with me. People really love like lion tattoos and lion shirts, and they they want to be the king of the jungle because that's the that's the trope. Isn't it? it's, it's king of the jungle. And gorillas are the same. He's the one in charge. They're the ones going out and doing the things. Or lionesses because they're they're the king, like queens of the pride. And people really want that. They want that strength and they want that 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 boldness. I guess or maybe that control. And I think whatever I see that. I find it interesting as well because, like I said, like for me, bears don't represent strength. And I even remember when I got the tattoo. Um, so the tattooist herself um, drew it. Her name's Olga. She's very good. Um, drew it, and I said, I don't want it to look angry. That's my main thing. I don't want it to look angry. I don't want it to look um, violent in any way. I'm not claws and teeth. None of that. I just want a bear. I just want a happy little bear just chilling out. And the owner of the tattoo said, just laughed at me like, but bears are angry. And I'm like, no, bears are defensive. That's that's their thing. But they're not always angry. Whereas people pick animals based on the trait they want to expose out into the world. 
and that's the things with lions and lioness and and gorillas and all that. Is they always pick they always pick like volatile representations of them. It's like yes, they're sturdy, they're strong, and I think that's fascinating because to every individual it's different. And when I look at those kinds of drawings and those kinds of things, what I see is a mass of insecurity because. People want the idea of their strength to be projected and they want their strength to be projected so you don't focus on the things which they see as weak. And I can't help getting past that as a view of the world and, and how people do that, which is the same when you see people who like really want elegant animals or animals which they deem as elegant and they say, oh, yeah, well, look at these and I'm, I can really relate to that or gentle animals. And it's whatever personality trait you want to push out and say, well, I'm no different with my bear. You know, my bear is, it, I said hungry and clumsy and that's something which i pretty much project into the world i hate the idea of intimidating someone out there i like the idea of being seen as kind of a buffoon and i think you know to some extent i am i remember when i was much younger um this was like about when i was about 16 or something like that i went to a gig and someone told me that i was intimidating and i kind of took offense to it like, apparently I'm intimidating, and I don't see myself as intimidating, because I know me, and, and I know that I'm just, you know, a cosy buffoon who doesn't really know what he's doing, and just mumbling my way through life. That's that's how I know me, so I try harder to not be intimidating, which is hard to do, because I'm six foot two. And what I realised later in life was the fact that I was intimidating was because she was quite short, and I'm six foot two, and at the time much heavier and, you know, dress a lot of goth and all that kind of stuff. And that's a barrier to people who, who you know, not people which I want to be intimidated, but it's a, it's a representation to say, hey, yeah, we're, we're not in the same, not in the same category, guys. We're just, we're just chilling out in the same, different, different fields for these sheep. As it were, I'm sure people who are into musical genres won't appreciate me um, <laughs> describing them as sheep. But everyone has their own genres which they lead into. There's a robin in my garden. In the end of September. This this is all fallen into place. And now I think about it, the rose over there is a good another good example of it. You know. It, it's over there and you always see that picture online of that tulip which sticks up above all the other tulips and it's a photograph which has been mass reproduced with the tagline of stand out from the crowd and, and all that kind of thing. And that rose is no different. It's it's bolder than the rest. It just stands out and it represents itself to say, Hey, come come look at me, I'm a rose and that kind of thing. But what I wanted to discuss was this this idea, I guess, of people wanting to represent strength. It's a strange one for me. For me personally, I don't know about anybody else, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But I never really want to represent strength. At most, I want to represent calm. And I think I do represent calm, which is why I, in public places, people tend to think I work there and also seem to know what I'm doing, even though I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. I just look like I know what I'm doing. It's because I've been confused so many times. My resting face now is just one of kind of subtle satisfaction with whatever's going on. I'm just like, yeah, I'm here. We're watching the world go around. Um, but people want to project this idea of strength, and I, and I can't really understand why, right? I can't really understand why. I understand it from a perspective point of view of wanting to hide insecurity and hiding the things which they see as weakness or perhaps been you know, bullied or you know called out for, for weakness. If I take a stereotypical um, guy with a lion tattoo on his, his arm and biceps and all that kind of stuff, that is, is a big projection of strength. It's a projection of I'm hard, I'm intimidating, I'm going to 
you know, I'll mess you up if you mess with me. Don't question me. And I'm, I'm sat thinking, well, what are you covering? You know, what at what point in your life did somebody tell you that being weak was bad and that you can't have any anything which isn't this level of toxic masculinity that you need to project this? But also, why do people want to be king of the jungle? What's interesting is I just looked at the last video from last year and we were on about being royal. And while I never really want to be royal and people love the idea of being the king or the queen, or the, like in charge of everybody, or just having people bow to them. It's like, yeah, look at me, I'm, 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 I'm on top of the pile, it's top of the food chain. I'm like, why? Wouldn't it be better? And this is a hypothetical for you, right? Wouldn't it be better if we weren't these animals out there with definable traits, right? And what, what, I'll explain what I mean, because I just really just left that off in the end. So I'm not talking about, like, jellyfish. Though jellyfish do have definable traits. And I'm sure someone out there reciprocates with a jellyfish. But I'm glad I said reciprocates there. But what if, right? I don't... To me, the bigger appeal... The, the appeal isn't in being something physical. The appeal would be in being something uh, legendary, You've got all the things in the world, all of them, like anything we've created, anything the human imagination can come up with. There's boundless things like goblins and dragons, and I'm sure there's people who think they're dragons. Uh, I'm sure there's people who think they're goblins, trolls. I've been watching a lot of Tales of Arcadia, so that's why I'm going down this fantasy line. But also other things. You know, I went to a very good show with uh, Richard Daniels, who told me about a monster in uh, who's living in a forest somewhere near Lincolnshire, and, and that was fascinating. And again, you know, those kinds of things. Something mythological. And it, to me, that holds so much power than any physical show of strength that you could ever think of. Something, Something people would write stories about without knowing the thing. Right, and the the best example you can obviously come up with is probably Bigfoot. Right? Bigfoot doesn't have to try to be Bigfoot. Let's face it. There's been like twenty twenty photos of Bigfoot maybe in a lifetime. It's probably even much less than that. But there's been like twenty photos, maybe a few videos of Bigfoot. Bigfoot doesn't have to try. Bigfoot is just out there in the forest doing their thing, and then people come along and they make them legendary they make them this mythos they tell stories about him that i met Bigfoot. i was doing this and i was going through my camp and he was just there in the morning or i've met bigfoot i found his droppings like that's a level of craziness you don't walk around like you would be walking around in a forest i say forest i don't know where lions live this is clearly my education is just failing me um, but you walk it around and you find a pile of like lion crap you're not really going to care like you'd be like, oh, okay, there's a lion about, we'll look for the lion. If you came across Bigfoot's droppings, you would freak the hell out. You'd take them home in a baggie. You'd be showing people I found Bigfoot's droppings. Or like a footprint. Like, it's cool to see a lion footprint. But if you had Bigfoot, Bigfoot's footprint, that's insane. You found Bigfoot's footprint. And there's this level of, like, unknown to it. Same with the Loch Ness. Loch Ness Monster, right? Like, nobody knows whether it's real or not. Nobody. <laughs> it's just a myth. It's a, a myth or a legend. Like, we've got that one grainy photograph, and then since then, literally, I imagine millions have been spent on people researching the Loch Ness Monster. And it's just like, why isn't, why haven't we got people who are more adhering to that? Why don't people want to be mythological and just 
just leave that sense of unknown everywhere. To, to, again, that's as well, if your whole goal of when you're having, you know, you're, you're looking at animals and you're like, well, I want to be the alpha. What's more alpha than those guys? What's more alpha than these beings which we know nothing about because they have left so much grey area that we've ended up just telling tales about it, that we filled in all the blanks to a point where, uh, to some people, it's scary. You know, it's scary, the idea that there might be this giant ape creature somewhere in a forest, or there might be a giant, you know, dinosaur living in Loch Ness that they're going to have to contend with in some way, and they have to deal with. That's way more scary than a lion, or a gorilla. Like, yeah, those things are scary, and I'd never want to mess with them, but at the same time, you'll be walking through a forest, and you mention Bigfoot to some kids, they will freak out. They they will they will understand the level of fear which comes with uncertainty. All I'm saying, maybe what well, this is what I'm saying. I'm not even saying is it's just questioning why people are doing it. I'm just saying you're picking the wrong animals. You're picking the wrong beings to back and get tattooed on you. Maybe I should get a Bigfoot tattoo just on the inside. I got a bear on the outside, so that's my physical like showing off to the world. And on the inside, I can just throw Bigfoot. And I feel like that I did, that just appeals to me more. It appeals to me more to be an abstract concept of of what's going on and have people have people worry not worry but be interested enough that they're trying to find out more and i guess that's what i do with anything i do any of the work which i produce you know it's we've said this time and again and i will stop mentioning if how bad i am advertising but my whole idea and whole ethos to creation right is very much feel the dreams it's very much if you build it, they will come. If you start creating something and you start producing something that you are passionate about, you have an interest in, and you enjoy creating, then eventually people will adhere to it and they will look it up and they will find out about it. And all it takes is enough people to be interested in that and interested in that topic and interested in the idea to form ideas around you to the point where you don't even need to advertise because enough people are sat there waiting for it. And as soon as you kick it out, they'll go, oh, my God, show show more people. You say it's 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 pushing anticipation, just teasing the world out there, which I apologize to my own audience that I do this, but. It's how I work. It's I, I've never wanted to throw my work out there and advertise and say, hey, this is great. This is the best thing you're ever going to read or see. And look how talented I am. No, fuck that. Let's put it, hang it on a tree in a forest and confuse some people and make them do the hard work. And I feel that you, en- you enjoy it more. This is directly to you guys. You know, you enjoy it more when I do that. Because I do. I enjoy media which I have to look into a little more. So recently I went to see The Green Knight as well. This is how we'll also round this out. I went to see The Green Knight um, at cinema and it restored my faith in cinema. For a while I've had this feeling in my head of nothing good is coming out of cinema recently. And apart from independent films. And Green Knight is kind of, it's in the way of that. Because it came out of the cinema, it's quite a big blockbustery film. And... It restored my faith because it left so much abstract and so much trippy that when 
people who are used to mainstream cinema will watch it and they probably won't like it or they'll be confused by it and they're not sure what to think or whether they should like it or not because I'm fed up with cinema and shows and music which just hand feeds you every single concept within the media and says hey oh do you see you see this well it's about this and it's oh here's his you know with here's the symbols like heavy-handed symbolism for death and you sit and think well why aren't you even trying to challenge an audience anymore? And it's because people want their money's worth and they, they want to know they've spent the right thing on the right thing and so they want everything laid out. But when you track back to it, there is way more power and way more respect in being that abstract, being kind of vague and just letting people interpret between the lines. And I think that's something we need more of. I have no interest in being the silverback or the lion or the venomous boa or any of that. Or being elegant gazelles. I'm trying to think of animals off the top of my head and not doing very well. I probably should have made a list of animals. Owls. Yeah. I have no interest in any of that. I have interest in looking at the weaknesses of those animals, like the bear and its clumsiness and how it struggles to find food sometimes. But I got way more interested in, in being... Some sort of mythos. Which is hard to do when you do a podcast where you talk about yourself for half hour, you know, every week. But it's something to consider for 2022. Definitely. I'd love to know what you guys think. I'd love to know what your favourite animals are. I'm curious as hell. I wonder what they say about you. Like behind your back when they're in the forest. They'll be talking about you. But until then... Thank you for joining me for another year. It has been 2021. We've made it through another year. Who knows what winter holds or 2022 holds. Hopefully we'll still be going. I have no intention of stopping. I enjoy doing this. But on that note, I'll talk to you guys later. And have a great winter. Bye. <laughs>